0: Match Chat is brought to you by Walters. Walters is your spot before and after the U.S. women's national soccer team's match against Nigeria.
1: Match begins at 6 p.m. on Tuesday, September 6th at Audi Field. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search
2: for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed.
3: ready here it is Swinging a line drive over the leaping shortstop Edmond base hit to left center field Abrams will score Thomas had to freeze on the line drive he'll go to third and stop Garcia in at second and Joey Manessis with his third hit of the game it's a clutch RBI single giving the
2: Nationals a four nothing lead here's the set now by the right-hander his pitch on the way Ruiz hits into the air to deep right field this is way back Newt bar looking up it's going going and gone goodbye and with two out here at the top of the eighth inning, on his seventh home run of the year, Ruiz crosses the plate with yet another run here in this one. It's the Nationals six, and the Cardinals nothing.
0: And welcome to Nats Chat for Tuesday, September 6, 2022, along with MadisonSports.com Nationals insider Mark Zuckerman, who was at Bush Stadium in St. Louis. I'm Al Galdi, host of the Al Galdi podcast. How was your Labor Day weekend? Because the Nats' Labor Day weekend Featured three consecutive wins, each at a division-leading team in the National League. And by a combined score of 21 off back-to-back 7-1 wins at the National League East leading New York Mets on Saturday night and Sunday afternoon. The Nats on Monday, a 6-0 win at the NL Central leading St. Louis Cardinals in Game 1 of a four-game series. So there is what the Nats are doing And then there is who is doing the what. The Nats, Utes, if you're Joe Pesci and my cousin Vinny, they are playing well right now. It's great to see. I don't know many people who expected this, but that's okay. Three straight wins, six wins in eight games. And Mark, the last three wins in basically blowout fashion. The Nats aren't just winning. They are bludgeoning some of the best teams in the National League.
1: And on the road, (laughs) they're doing this, Al. This is easily the most impressive stretch they've had of the season. Now, that's not saying a lot because there have been very few stretches at all that you could call impressive. But like you said, what stands out to me, yes, it's nice they're winning games, of course, first and foremost. But to me, what's the nicest thing about it is who is contributing to these wins for the most part. It's young guys. It's CJ Abrams. It's Kabert Ruiz. It's Lane Thomas. It's Luis Garcia. It's I know he's not a young guy, but he's a rookie, Joey Manessis. And then it's Anibal Sanchez, who's the youngest of them all. Well, no, actually, so maybe he's not. But you know what? Anibal isn't necessarily out of the future plans either because he was asked after this game by Jesse Dougherty of the Washington Post if he's thought about next year at all. And Anibal said that, yes, of course, he's thought about it and he would like to continue pitching. He didn't say it had to be with the Nationals, but he did say he would like to continue pitching in 2023. And you know what? The way he has pitched his last four starts it's at least worth considering the possibility. How about that? Who would have saw that coming?
0: Well, I said to you after his last start, he is pitching his way into the Nats' plans because you know that they want him back, okay? They love these guys. They love guys who are with them in 2019, and they love guys who are well over the age of 30. So yeah, I have not at all discounted the possibility of him being back with this team. Uh, Now, whether he should be back is an entirely different conversation. How about this from Stats by Stats? The Nats have become the first team In Major League history, to have three consecutive games in which the team wins by at least six runs against another team with 30 or more wins than the team doing the winning. Now, you know, a lot of that has to do with the Nats being really bad and just facing teams with much better records than them. But yeah, again, you're winning three straight at first place teams and doing so by 7-1 score, 7-1 score. Then a 6 nothing score. So it's really strange. I mean, you know, the Nats for the longest time this season had not just the worst record in the majors, but the worst run differential in the majors. That's no longer the case. The woeful Pittsburgh Pirates now have a worse run differential as compared to what the Nats have. So it's great to see. Annabal is pitching well. We'll get to him. But nothing matters more than what we're seeing from these young Nats players, these potential building blocks. And off him having struggled so much, I don't think anything was as good on Monday and maybe over the last few days than what C.J. Abrams did in this 6-0 win at the Cardinals on Monday. Four for five with a triple and three singles. He very much looked the part. He looked like the guy who the Nats got in that six-player package from the Padres for Juan Soto and Josh Bell. Abrams in an ats one run third a leadoff triple to center field past a diving Tyler O'Neill. Abrams in an ats four run six a one out infield single on a tap or toward third base. Abrams in the top of the seventh a two out single out a one two pitch. Abrams in the top of the ninth a one out opposite field single to left field and maybe the funniest part of all is that his best swing of the game may well have come on what ended up being an out. He in the top of the fourth lined out sharply to Cardinals right fielder Lars Nootbaar for the third out. The ball had an exit velocity per stat cast of 107 miles per hour. We are seeing much better plate appearances from C.J. Abrams right now.
1: Yeah, what I was going to say is it's not just the results, it's how he looks up there. He's getting off good swings, taking quality at bats. And when he does put the bat on the ball, some good things are happening. And you saw both sides of the spectrum from him. Little dribbler down third baseline that he can beat out for an infield single. You saw the 107 miles an hour off the bat. And then you saw the combination of them come together on that triple where he hits a line drive to center field, gets past the center fielder, rolls to the wall. And I was thinking, and CJ admitted afterwards, he was thinking too, He's going all the way on that one. He's going for the inside the park home run. And if not for a little bit of fumbling with his helmet as he was approaching second base, he thinks he might have had a shot at it. So, he was kind of mad at himself for not just throwing the helmet off and just running like wild. You can see when he gets out there and gets ahead of steam going, he is as fast as anybody in this game, I think. And it's clear the skills that he has. There's no question that he has the athletic abilities. It's just a matter of learning on the job, putting it all together, taking what has happened before and and figuring out what adjustments he has to make. And you're seeing it come together in a really impressive way. I think we talked about this, that first week he was here, there's a lot of attention on him, a lot of pressure on him as the first real face of the return in the Juan Soto trade. And you can't tell me that that wasn't affecting him to some extent. Well, he got comfortable, We know he has the skills. It's starting to all come together. You're seeing him look very comfortable in the field. He's playing the kind of shortstop we haven't seen around here in a while. And he's looking very comfortable at the plate doing all those different things that he's capable of. So that has been a huge development for them. We need to see it over a longer period of time, of course. But if you've been watching and you don't see what Mike Rizzo and company saw in this kid, then you're not paying close enough attention because he's got the skills. That is clear.
0: Yeah. And if it ends up being that he was just really bad offensively over his first, say, month with the Nats at the major league level and then it ends up blossoming, he certainly will not be the first really good baseball player to go through that. Like a lot of top prospects are particularly bad early on and then just bust out. And maybe we are seeing the bust out. You know, he needs more games like this. okay? like he's had very few multi-hit games, but he was a real offensive force in this game. And it kind of felt like things were coming together. Like even with that line out in the top of the fourth, like the process is there. He's having good plate appearances. You know, he's doing a good job with two strikes. The defense has been there. So if the offense can just catch up to at least a certain extent, you're going to love what you have in him. So Abrams has been looking good. Kbert Ruiz on Monday had a second straight game. He is an ad starting catcher, and number five batter, two for three with a solo homer, a single, and two walks. Got on base four times, top of the second, a leadoff four-pitch walk, top of the fourth, a leadoff single to center field, top of the sixth, a two-out six-pitch walk, and in a one-run eighth, a two-out solo homer to right field for a 6 nothing that's lead. This off what he did in that 7-1 win at the Mets on Sunday afternoon. A member Ruiz wasn't even supposed to start that game, talked his way into the lineup, went three for five with a two-run single, and two other singles, you know, I think people have felt pretty good about Ruiz's defense this season. Even though it's interesting, you know, the metrics aren't exactly super kind as his work this year, but I think if you watch the games, you like for the most part what you're seeing defensively. The offense has been the thing that's kind of lagging, you know, because he's here not just to be a defensive catcher, like he's here to hit. And we see, I mean, the bat-to-ball skills have always been there, and he certainly is capable of having these games in which he gets on base multiple times. We've seen that here a few times recently and uh, he was a real key factor in this win on Monday.
1: And we saw the power from him. You know, It's come and gone this year. He's got seven homers. Now, they do believe he is going to be a guy who can hit for some power, like 15 to 20 homers, which as a catcher is fantastic. You want to see that more consistently, but we are starting to see more of it. And the fact that he's doing this, even as he's taken on this heavy workload, I wrote about it this morning. He's played the second most games behind the plate this year in the majors behind only JT Real Muto. And we talked about the other day how he, you know, talked his way into the lineup on Sunday in New York. He was back in there for this game, despite it being another day game after travel. He's going to have one of the next two off because they're facing lefties and Davey's finally going to give him a night off and let either Riley Adams or Trace Pereira catch. But I like the fact that he, late in a season in which he's taken a beating behind the plate, is showing that he has the ability to still be a productive player, both behind the plate and at the plate. I think it bodes well for him in the long run. And I think this is why Davey's willing to let him go through this because he needs to learn what it's like physically and mentally to make it through an entire big league season. The only way he can do that is with experience. And so he's getting that right now. And it's encouraging to see that he can be successful here on the back end of it.
0: Yeah, I think it's a fine line, though, that you walk with a catcher who you feel like can hit because catcher is such a physically demanding position that you can really wear a guy down if he catches too much. And you think about like the cumulative toll of if every season he's catching, you know, many more games than most other catchers what that might mean for him offensively moving forward. Like, there's a reason that Bryce Harper as a catcher, the plug got pulled on that like five seconds after the Nats drafted him because it was like, we're not having you even flirt with the notion of being a catcher, right? Like, you're here to hit and mash, and that's what he ended up doing. Now, Ruiz isn't Bryce, but if you do believe in him as an offensive player, I think that is a delicate balancing act of you want him out there catching for you, but you don't want it to be so that, you know, he ends up just getting brutalized in these seasons and the offense ends up suffering. Now, he's a young guy, so him catching a bunch of games this season I think is fine. But I do think like down the line, that's something to think about. Okay, what is he as a hitter, and is he good enough as a hitter to where you do really have to monitor his workload and maybe even save him from himself when it comes to catching a bunch of games season in and season out?
1: Yeah, I think it's a fair point, but I think let's also see what kind of offensive player he really is. I think the reason that they're so excited about him is that They believe he's a good defensive catcher who can also be a good offensive catcher. And I'm not sure they look at his offensive skills as being so great that it's worth moving him away from this valuable position. You know, Bryce Harper, everybody knew was going to be an otherworldly hitter, especially power hitter. And so that's why they said, let's just stick him in the outfield, let him show off that arm and hit a bunch of bombs as an everyday player. The feeling on Caber Ruiz, the reason that he's so coveted, I think that he was, is because he profiles as a really good catcher in the long run. So I, I think that has something to do with it. But yeah, I, I get what you're saying. And I do think they have to be careful. It's up to him to speak up and let them know how he's feeling. If he's ever feeling banged up or like, man, I need a day, like you've got to speak up. Don't feel like, oh, I can't say no to that. It's okay. They want you to be honest with them. So I think that is important in his development as well.
0: Yeah, I mean, I remember when Matt Wieters was drafted, his nickname was Maurer with power, that he was going to be Joe Maurer with power. And it kind of sort of never really happened. He was okay offensively, but it never really came to be. And he ended up being a good defensive catcher for a while, but he got hurt. He took a beating back there. You know, we saw him when he was with the Nats, like he could you know, barely run anymore. And so it's tough. Like these catchers age quickly. It's like running backs in the NFL. Like once they turn 30, you're like, oh, boy, like what's going to happen to this guy physically? So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. But you definitely have something in Cape Ruiz. We certainly are seeing that. Hey, are you a law firm partner or associate stuck in the minor leagues like Joey Four Bags Your employer might be holding you back from your true potential. Maybe another law firm can get you what you need. More money, better support, better client contacts, or a better brand name. You need a better agent. You need Mason Calfus. Mason Calfus, He started Zenith Legal in 2015 to be the best legal recruiter in the nation, and he has succeeded. He has placed partners and associates at over half Of the largest 100 law firms in the U.S., he specializes in working with lawyers at major law firms and government agencies such as the DOJ and SEC. Like Joey Menezes' Big Breakout, Mason Kalfas can help you identify what you really need to accelerate your legal career. He will work with you to find the best law firm for your practice and negotiate you the absolute best deal, a deal worthy of a superstar free agent. The legal market still is very strong in 2022, and there's no better time than the present to think about making a move. You need to call Mason Kalfas at Zenith Legal. His number is 202-486-3535. Or you can check out his website, zenithlegal.com. He has a team of recruiters across the country, but you will get tons of personal attention from Mason. It's time to launch your career into the upper deck. Call Mason Kalfas today. Go Nats and go Joey.
2: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all That's indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
4: Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network.
3: the 0-2. Swing a fly ball slicing to right. Long chase goes Newt bar. This one is going to be out of his reach. Land on the warning track and bounce over the fence for two bases. Abrams will trot in and score. It's an automatic double for Thomas, and the Nationals have back-to-back extra base hits and a 1-0 lead. Thomas, RBI 45, as he gets an RBI double against his old team, the Cardinals.
0: Lane Thomas, man, is he locked in right now. You know, Lane Thomas has kind of that Josh Bell quality of when Lane is off, he's really off. But when he's on, he's like white hot. And Lane has been white hot over these last three games. The Lane train on Monday, once again, in that number one spot in Davey Martinez's lineup. He was an at starting center fielder. And Lane, one for three with an RBI double, a bases loaded walk, another walk, and a hit by pitch. The RBI double coming in a one-run third, an opposite field RBI ground rule double to right field on an 0-2 pitch, by the way for a one nothing Nats lead. He also had another one of these marathon plate appearances. He did this the other day, and then Thomas in the Nats, 4-1-6 on Monday. By the way, another big inning for the Nats in this game, a 4-1-6. You've had a lot of these big innings here during this three-game winning streak. But Thomas on Monday, a one-out, bases-loaded, 10-pitch walk for a 2-0 Nats lead, despite having been down at one point. One, two. You are seeing a lot of good plate appearances from Nats batters right now. These aren't just like lucky results that we're seeing. You're seeing guys work counts. You're seeing guys go the opposite way. You're seeing guys being productive even when downing counts or having two strikes on them. And Lane Thomas certainly has been a part of that.
1: That itself was a great at-bat, one of the best of the season by anybody on this team. He fouled off five consecutive 3-2 pitches with the bases loaded before drawing the walk to drive in the run. That was really good stuff from him in a really good game, in a really good stretch for him. You mentioned what he's done the last three. Over his last 17 games, he's reached base 31 times. That's elite leadoff hitter kind of stuff like we saw from him late last season. Now, of course, the issue there is he's got to show that he can sustain this. And that's been a little bit of a frustrating part of this season is that he has not. Now, we got to remember, he set the bar really high last year, surprisingly so. Nobody ever really thought of him as potentially being that kind of player. He all of a sudden, he showed it and that burst for six weeks at the end of the year made us all think, well, maybe he is more than we thought he was. And he's kind of teasing us again with this. Now, maybe this is who he is. It would be wonderful if this is who he is, but we've got to see it more consistently over a longer period of time. He was also pretty fired up for this game in particular, coming back to St. Louis where he got his start with them. He said he was motivated. It was good to see a lot of people coming back here and and it felt good for him to come through the way that he did and helping his team win a game.
0: You wonder if he might be one of these guys who is either really good or really bad. And at the end of the season, the numbers are mixed, but like his route to those numbers is rather circuitous, you know? And it's like, it's not linear. It's okay. For a month, he's great. And then the next month, he's bad. And the month after that, he's great. And then the month after that, he's bad. And some guys are just like that. And that does drive you nuts because you're never quite sure what to do with somebody like that. But someone who can get hot like this, i mean, we saw it last year, we're seeing it now this year, again, like there's something there with him. And so it's just a matter of kind of figuring out, okay, how exactly... Can we best utilize what we have in this guy? So, all right, CJ Abrams, Kate ruiz Lane Thomas. I don't know if we count Joey Manessis as a potential building block. He's something. There's something there with him. We're not quite sure what, but Manessis had another good game on Monday. He came through to the tune of three for five with an RBI single, and two other singles, and you know, speaking of going the opposite way, being productive when down in counts. So here are the details of what Manessas did on Monday. Top of the first, a two-out opposite field single to right field on an O2 pitch. Top of the fifth, a one-out single to left field on a one-two pitch. And in that Nats four-run sixth, a one-out bases-loaded RBI single to left center on a one-two pitch for a four-nothing Nats lead. So all three Manessas hits coming on either O2 pitches or one-two pitches. He had another. Opposite field single. Again, like he is validating himself as a guy who can hit. He's not just a home run hitter and that's it. Like he is really someone who can make contact and be productive and he continues to be consistent. Every game it feels like he has a hit or two. And every game it feels like when the Nats do well, he's at least a part of it to some degree.
1: 40 hits in his first 29 big league games. That's the most of any national in their first 29 big league games. You're talking about guys like Ryan Zimmerman, Anthony Rendon, Trey Turner, and others. They've had their share of them over the years. Joey Manessis is the one who has consistently been the best now for going on more than a month, actually. He can hit. I think we have to be able to acknowledge that he can hit. He has a plan up there. He knows what he's doing. He's making adjustments. He hits with two strikes. He goes the other way. He hits for power when he has the opportunity. I don't think there's any question about that. I think the only issue here is what took so long for him to finally get this opportunity? Is there a reason for that? And then secondly, can you consider a 30-year-old rookie potentially a part of the future? I think you can consider him a part of the short-term future. I'm not advocating signing him to any kind of long-term extension or saying that He's going to be their starting first baseman, number three hitter in uh, you know 2025 when in theory they might be winning in the NL East. But between now and then, he absolutely couldn't. You know who it reminds me a little bit of? Um, he wasn't quite as old. He was a couple of years younger. But Michael Morse, when he first got here, he looked the part. He was an older player with less experience, but he became a really productive hitter for several years for them and a big part of their team that, that started to win. And no, he wasn't the focal point of it and he wasn't the young building blocks like some of the others were, but he was an important part of the team. I think it's possible that Joey Manestas could be that kind of a player. Again, he's already 30, so you do worry a little bit, but the fact they have the DH moving forward helps. He plays first base, not a real demanding position. There's something there. There's certainly something there to make you say, let's keep seeing more of this. Let's at least make him a part of the plan for next year and see where it goes from there.
0: Yeah, I mean, when it comes to the Nats 2023 20, roster, not everyone is going to be 22 or younger. Like, you're going to have some guys who aren't, you know, 20 something. So, okay, a guy like Meneses, 30 something, done well, just brought him up, see what you have. I mean, some guys do blossom for whatever the reason is later on in their careers, especially offensively. Like, this isn't a perfect example, but Jose Batista was one way for a while. And then right around the age of 30, all of a sudden exploded into this like 50 homer guy. And people were like, how did this happen? And remember, there were a lot of like PED suspicions with him. But as far as we know, that was never the case with him. And it ended up being that that was who we ended up being for at least a few years. Different circumstance. But like Kurt Suzuki was not a good hitter. And then all of a sudden, like later in his career, had multiple good seasons as a batter, especially for Atlanta. So sometimes it just kind of clicks for someone for a few years. And, you know, I know Mike Rizzo likes to say he has a one-year plan, a three-year plan, a five-year plan. Maybe Manessis isn't part of your five-year plan, but he can be a part of your one and, say, three-year plans. And, you know, who knows what ends up coming of that. You know, the Nats offense really has come alive. I mean, again, I go back to it's not just that the Nats are winning. The Nats are essentially blowing teams out here lately. And the Nats are scoring runs. Last seven games, 41 runs. The Nats on Monday, six runs, 14 hits and five walks. It felt like every other Nats plate appearance was a hit. It was like one single after another in this game. Nats did have some extra base hits. But man, every inning, it felt like the Nats had at least one or two guys on base.
1: They could have scored a lot more than the six runs. There were plenty of opportunities. They were at one point through the fifth inning. They were one for nine with runners in scoring position. It wasn't really until the sixth inning explosion that it came together and they turned this game into a rout. So, yeah, they are hitting a lot better. Now, these last three games, what did you say it was? Seven runs, seven runs, six runs. The one theme to these, I hate to say this, but it's been true, is that Nelson Cruz has not been in any of these games. He sat out again on Monday, still with the sore right knee. Davey Martinez made it sound like he believes Nelson's going to be ready to come back on Tuesday, I'm not trying to say that they are this much better off without him, or that they should hold him out if he's healthy, but I do think we have to acknowledge that when he is in the middle of our lineup and not producing, especially all the times he comes up with runners on base, he has killed some rallies this year. And so, if you want to find some ways to maybe put him in there, but not every day, maybe some ways to put him in some other spots in the lineup, not as high-profile. I think that's perfectly fair at this point. And honestly, I think Nelson Cruz would get it. I don't think he'd be offended by it. He knows who he is. He knows where he is in his career. He knows where this organization is now as they begin this rebuilding project. So I think he'd be okay with it. I'll be curious to see how this thing plays out.
0: Yeah. And, you know, I'm not trying to be mean, but even if he's not okay with it, that's okay too, because he's not going to be here after this season. And it's not your job to make Nelson Cruz feel as comfortable as possible. You should be respectful. You know, you don't have to be mean to him or anything like that. But listen, the bigger picture is what it is. And his performance this season has been what it has been. And once we went beyond August 2nd and you couldn't trade him, your loyalty to him being an everyday player to me could have gone bye by then. So, like the rest of this season, he to me is a part time guy. He's in that Cesar Hernandez territory of if you need to play him, play him. You don't have to be disrespectful toward him. But what is the upside here of playing him, especially with this offense rolling to the extent that it is? And if you do play him, geez, you don't have to bat him fourth, okay? You know, they batted him sixth in that one game. Remember a few weeks ago? And we thought that maybe that was like a turning point of, all right, they're going to start dropping him. And they order a little bit. That was like a one-game thing, basically. Davey went right back to batting this guy fourth game in, game out. It doesn't have to be that way. So... We'll see. I think it's funny, too, because how many times this season has Nelson left the game due to some minor ailment and then been back the next day? That's happened a lot. This time, that has not happened. And you wonder if they said, no, I don't know, Nelson. Yeah, that knee, that looks pretty bad. Why don't you take another day off just to be safe? You know, we're concerned about your left knee. Just Take your time, Nelly. Take your time. <laughs> Hey guys, it's Al Gaudley for Window Nation. We are into September, a time for pennant races in baseball, and Window Nation is offering pennant race worthy savings, new windows from Window Nation. At half the price, get two free windows with every two windows that you buy, plus pay nothing with no interest until 2025. Lower your energy bills, raise the value of your home with new energy efficient windows from Window Nation. Visit windownation.com or call 866 90 Nation and tell Window Nation that Al Galdi sent Window Nation windows are the best. You know, the longer that you have old drafty windows, the more money that you're wasting on your heating and cooling bills. Window Nation has saved customers over $60 million on energy bills. And the average Window Nation installer has over 16 years of experience with 20,000 windows installed. Window Nation windows are great. And Window Nation windows are installed right the first time. Take advantage of this terrific deal. Buy two windows, get two windows free. This goes for any style of new window from Window Nation and pay nothing until 2025. Visit WindowNation.com or call 866-90-NATION. That's WindowNation.com or 866-90-NATION. And tell Window Nation that Al Galdi sent you. And
2: the pitch. Swung on, hit of the year to deep left center field, but not that deep. Moving over to his left is Cesar Hernandez, and he makes the catch, and a curly W's in the books. The Nationals beat the Mets back-to-back in New York, 7-1, and come to St. Louis and shut out the Cardinals, 6 to nothing. Now they have a winning streak.
0: Well, it is kind of funny, with all these young Nats players doing well, it was Anibal Sanchez in his age 38 season, killing it once again on Monday. A fourth consecutive good start. This really is something. Anibal now has made 10 starts for the Nats this season. Over the first six starts, he had an ERA of 7.20. Over the last four starts, the guy has been really good, and he on Monday tossed five scoreless innings at the NL Central leading Cardinals, who have been, by the way, one of the better hitting teams in the majors. This season, and this was, you know, vintage Annabelle, turn back the clock Annabelle, second half of the 2019 season, Annabelle gave up just two hits, both of which were singles. He issued two walks, had three strikeouts, threw 81 pitches, 52 strikes versus 29 balls. He retired 14 of the final 15 batters he faced. And what was so funny about all of this is that he has this scoreless bottom of the first in which he gives up a one-out single, then issues back-to-back one-out walks, and you're saying to yourself, all right, you know, the carriage is turning back into a pumpkin for Anibal off these last three starts. But no, he found a way out of that inning and then was really good the rest of his outing.
1: So, yeah, that first inning, he was all over the place, back-to-back walks. He's in major trouble. Albert Pujols steps up to the plate with the bases loaded, and a sellout crowd at Bush Stadium is not just on their feet. Everybody's on their cell phones holding up their cameras to try to chronicle this potential moment. It could be homer number 696 for him. And the disappointment that that crowd had when Sanchez struck him out and then, each subsequent out that Pujols made over the course of the game. It was pretty remarkable. That was vintage Anibal Sanchez though. And these last four starts, I don't know if we're appreciating just how dominant, yes, dominant he has been. Four starts, a total of two runs allowed on eight hits. And that's over 21 and a third innings. Okay. He has not given up more than three hits in any one of his last four starts, and yeah, he doesn't go deep in a game. This isn't you know him throwing a two hitter over eight innings or nine innings. it's over five, but his only trouble that he's had is really walks, and the two runs were each on solo homers, and that's it. He is not giving up hits, and that's really saying something and it it's why he believes that maybe this isn't the end of his career i don't I don't know seems hard to believe that there's a whole lot left in the tank there, but he is showing us that with time and the ability to build himself up, and I think it's important to note with good defense behind him, he can be successful. And it's really been something to watch. And it was certainly something to watch in this ballpark because the last time he was here was, of course, the night that he almost threw the no-hitter in the 2019 NLCS. So, There's a little bit of that magic going on in this one, but it's four consecutive starts now. You can't ignore this and say this is a completely fluke out of nowhere, nothing to interpret from it. It's four straight starts and against, in this case, a very good lineup.
0: Yeah. I mean, he could be really good for another team next season. So let him go (laughs) ahead and do that. I mean, I think the defense is the thing. Like, I don't think the timing of all this is just a coincidence. That's infield defense, especially upgraded lately with C.J. Abrams at short, Garcia at second, Ildemar Vargas at third. And all of a sudden, Anibal Sanchez, who again had an ERA of 720 over his first six starts, has been much better over these last four starts. And you know, keep in mind, he's still not, like, striking people out. Like, he's putting a lot of balls in play. He's throwing a good number of pitches. He's not, like, pitch efficient. In a lot of ways, the peripherals are more or less the same as they were over those first six starts with the 720 ERA. So you say to yourself, well, what's the difference? Well, the difference is the Nats have been much better at converting balls in play into outs. So it really does show you how much defense can help you.
5: Overall, you know, our defense is playing well. makes our pitching a
4: lot better.
0: You know, I wonder about even with someone like Patrick Corbin, who has been better lately, how much of his improvement lately might be because of the improved defense. You know, that there may be something to that with what we've seen from him. So, you know, look, good for Anibal for doing well. You know, give the guy respect. He's had a good career and maybe it's going to continue for a little while longer. And yeah, I think Mike Rizzo might be licking his lips at the possibility of Annabelle next year. Who knows? Uh, how about what happened with the Nats bullpen on Monday? Hunter Harvey, perfect bottom of the sixth. Mason Thompson. Three scoreless innings for the save. I kept waiting for another Nats reliever to be inserted into the game, and another Nats reliever was not inserted into the game. And I tell you, I kind of like this. Mason Thompson, who knew that he was going to get pushed like this in this game? He tossed a perfect bottom of the seventh, a scoreless bottom of the eighth, and a perfect bottom of the ninth. What do you think the thought process was here? I know the game became kind of a blowout, but, man, Mason Thompson, three innings for the save.
1: I can tell you I wasn't expecting it because I literally, in my scorebook at the end of each inning, wrote in his final line and final pitch count. And I had to keep scratching it out and writing in a new one twice <laughs> because I did not ever imagine that he'd be coming back for a second, let alone for a third inning. It was circumstantial. The game, you know, six-run lead, they didn't feel like they would had to go to Edwards and Finnegan at the end. He was real efficient, eight pitches in the first inning. But they did have him at AAA here in his last stint try to extend himself a little bit. They actually see him as someone who could go multiple innings for them. Now, that's not necessarily what I've thought of him. I I seem to think of him as like this power sinker, come in, throw some heat, get out of a jam, be a fireman late inning guy. But maybe they do see the potential for a multi-inning reliever. All I know is this. He missed a lot of time with, with an injury earlier this year. And so it's made this season very haphazard and broken up into different parts. And he was also sent down to AAA along the way as well. But in his 11 appearances that he's had for the Nationals, he's got an 075 ERA and an 0750 whip. He has been really good when he's been out there and enough so that we want to see more of him down the stretch for certain. Who would have imagined, I know he didn't imagine when he woke up this morning that he'd been recording his first career save and doing it by retiring Albert Pujols for the final out of the game <laughs> at Bush Stadium. That's a pretty cool way to get your first career save, even if it is a little bit of an odd save with a six-run lead.
0: So have they at all entertained the idea of trying to make him a starter? I mean, if they're stretching him to three innings, have they flirted with the notion of you know four or five innings and, and experimenting with that?
1: I've heard nothing about that. I think the idea, at least the way Davey presented it to us after this one, was that they think he'd be a multi-inning reliever, that that's what they're looking at. I don't have a sense that they're viewing him as a potential starter down the road. Nobody's brought that up. I don't think Mason has mentioned any possibility of that. That's a pretty big stretch to go from where he is to then. And he's been a reliever, I think, for quite a while coming up through the Padres system. But hey, in today's world, as we've seen, you can go about things a lot of different ways, as with your pitchers. You don't have to be a traditional starter. You don't have to be a traditional one inning reliever. You can have bridge guys, and if you can go three innings on thirty-two pitches like he did, that's a really valuable thing to have. If you can do that consistently, and he's obviously got to show that he could do that.
0: Yeah, I mean, like he could be your Paulo Espino Junior. You know, he could have that Paulo role of. Maybe he's in your rotation, but you never count on him for more than, say, four or five innings. Uh, I don't know. I mean, look, if you trust him to go, say, three innings, I don't think it's that much of a stretch to say he could go maybe four innings. And if you're into that territory, then you start saying, well, when you need a spot start, you maybe, quote-unquote, start him and only have him pitch four innings, that kind of a thing. So interesting to see that from Davey Martinez with Mason Thompson on Monday. You can always uh, email the podcast, natschatpodcast at gmail.com. We got this. From Lawrence Center, he says, "What are the odds the Nats go 43 games without a starting pitcher getting a win, a new modern major league record? The Nats then get five starting pitcher wins in nine days. Amazing! Uh, <laughs> that really is something. Uh, you 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 don't you can't for your life get a pitcher a quote unquote win, and now in less than two weeks, it's like one win after another for Nats starters."
1: And it's a combination of better performances from the starters. Of course, it begins there. But like we said, better defense and run support. It's a beautiful thing when your team actually gives you a five-run lead and you're able to go out and be aggressive and pitch that way. Uh, it's been nice to see. You know, I think it's allowed a lot of people to just sort of breathe easy after the way things have been going here for a while. It's nice for the first time all year. They're in a good mood because they're winning games and the way they're winning games and who they're beating it really is encouraging. And it doesn't, you know, they're a long way away from making us actually believe that this is going somewhere, at least in the short term. But as miserable as this year has been, if they could put together a solid September, and especially if they can do that behind the performances of young building blocks, I think it's really going to change our outlook on this season and make you believe that all those pains might have been worth it if it puts them in a better position to try to contend again within the next few years. So, long way to go. They still got to show they can do this against a lot more contending teams they're going to play. But the early returns here are pretty good. I mean, they've won, what did I say, nine out of their last 16. They haven't done that all year. So, that's a nice development to see. They're playing a good brand of baseball and very enjoyable to watch.
0: And, you know, we'll see what happens with the offense the rest of the season. But this happened last year after the sell-off The offense actually ended up being better than it was prior to the sell-off. And so, you know, there is this counterintuitive thing. You see this. It doesn't make sense, but it happens that on paper you look so much better, but for whatever reason you don't perform. And then on paper, you look worse. But then for whatever reason, you actually end up doing all right. I mean, that the Nats are doing this on what we viewed as this brutal road trip, right? Three games at the Mets, four games at the Cardinals, and you have three games at the Phillies. And, you know, who knows? Maybe the Nats end up getting smashed the rest of the road trip. But at least so far, the Nats are having their way with uh, two of the better teams in the National League this season. You tell us what you think. Hit us up on Twitter, at Nats underscore chat. You can email the podcast, Natschatpodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Instagram, too, at Nats Chat Podcast. You can get yourself or someone you know a Nats Chat Podcast t-shirt by going to natschatpodcast.square.site. If you're listening to this podcast on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify, please give the podcast a five-star rating. If you haven't yet done that, those are much appreciated. All Nationals radio highlights on Nats Chat are courtesy of 106.7 The Fan. For Mark Zuckerman, I'm Al Galdi, and we'll talk to you next time on the Nats Chat Podcast. The one
3: delivery. Butterfly hit in the air to center field. Taylor is there waiting for it, and Sanchez survives, and he's through six shutout hitless innings here in St. Louis.
5: The headlines remind us daily the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos.